Good morning. We are uh, here to uh, teach in this series called Families Without Fear. I brought my daughter with me, Emily Wellnitz. And uh, here's a slide picture of my wife. You notice some of the other couples have their husbands and wives up front. Well, this is about as close as I'm going to get to getting my wife up front, uh, those of you who know her. Uh, so I brought Emily. Emily, tell us a bit about your family. Yeah, um, there should be a picture coming up, too. Um, my husband, Jason, and I have three kids, Jonah, who is seven, Ayla, um, my daughter, who is nine, and my oldest son, who is ten. You see we're in a moving truck, so we moved from Cedar Rapids to Cedar Falls this summer. Um, my husband, Jason, works at Rockwell Collins in Cedar Rapids. He goes down once a week and otherwise is working out of our home, and um, just in... Um, November, I started working for the kids' ministry here at church part-time. So that's us. Okay, so let's be really clear because there could be some confusion. Ben, our son who died, and his two kids, you are not his wife, Aaron. No. You are his friend and his sister. Sister. Okay, Yes. good. Okay, so uh, for these four weeks, this is the second week, we're going to be teaching this series, Family Without Fear. And we decided as a teaching team that we're going to teach the same five things five weeks in a row, four weeks in a row, so that they might stick with you. And so I'm going to remind you of what we're teaching, and then we're going to uh, tell some stories and make it practical. So number one, there are real reasons to fear. As a family, as a person, you have your list of what you might be afraid of. I have my list of what I might be afraid of. And it's perfectly okay. There are real reasons in this world to be afraid. Uh, You know, we could make a list. Your kids are going to make bad choices. There are accidents every day. Cancer is rampant. I mean, we've all got our list. Number two, God does not want you and me ruled by fear. We can experience fear. We can feel fear. But the Bible is really clear. Don't let fear rule you. And it's filled with, hey, be strong, be courageous. Don't be ruled by fear. Number three. God has given us a spirit of power and of love. 2 Timothy 2.17 For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. We see this in Jesus when he was in the garden and he was on his face and he was getting ready to go to the cross. And what did he say? He said, Father, if you could, take this from me. But then he said, not my will, but thy will, Father. And so as he said that, all of a sudden, I've always wondered what happened in his heart, because all of a sudden, he stood up and he turned to his disciples and he said, let's go, guys. And where was he going? He was going to his arrest and the cross. And what happened? Well, I think what happened was he experienced a new surge of God's power. Number four, in our families, we steward ourselves. It's amazing how many people come into my office because they want to fix their spouse. Or they come into my office because they want to fix their kids. And if you come into my office, the one we need to work on is the only one on the uh, landscape of your family that you can actually change, and that's you, right? So who is it we steward? We steward ourselves. We steward ourselves. And then number five, the fifth thing we're teaching over this month, there is power and courage in community. And, Emmy, if anyone experienced that in spades, we did this summer. Absolutely. As we had this huge tragedy, and we had these, our friends, we had uh, churches, we had the community, we had the schools, we had businesses step up and walk with us. Yeah. And we weren't alone. No. 
Now, some of the pain we suffered alone. Right. And some of the uh, tear and grief we suffered right. alone because you can't share it. Right. But where they could, they we had us. community. Yeah. Yep. So every week we're hitting on these five truths. But the important thing is, how do we translate it into practical living? And uh, I want to tell a story from Haiti. Our team just got back from Haiti on Wednesday. On Friday, I had lunch with Neil McMahon, who was one of the guys, and he told me this story. And then he told it again yesterday at our leadership day. So John John is the missionary we support down there. He's doing great work. His nephew, five years ago, uh, this was the fifth year anniversary of the Haiti earthquake. Five years ago, he was in a second-story classroom building and of a three-story building. And John John's nephew, when the earthquake hit, the third story came down on the second story. And 26 of about 80 people were killed instantly. Several others died later. And they were in individual, like, little spaces where they couldn't see anyone else. And, and, the, and the third floor kept coming down on them. And fear took over. And it was like, Fear. And then what did they do to push back the fear? This particular classroom of students said, we need to claim God's love. And so they prayed and they sang hymns and that abated the fear. It's like, we're going to sing to God, we're going to pray to God. And it helped them. And some other entire classrooms, nobody survived because fear took over. And, you know, they're not a family in there. But just think of, sometimes it feels like our life is crashing down on us. And what do we do to push back the fear? Yeah. We, uh, per, you and I are teaching today, perfect love drives out fear. Yeah. Yeah. So, Emmy, um, our family's had the toughest year we've ever had with the tragic death of Ben, Charlie, and Bailey. June 10th, Florida accident, in case... I don't know how anybody wouldn't know that. <laughs> in the process of this difficult summer, though, you had an experience where uh, a ton of fear came into yeah. your life. And that's a story we want you to tell. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, to tell that story, it's really about us moving here is um, where the fear came in. Um, but to tell that story, I want to go back to that Wednesday um, when we got the phone call and our lives changed forever. Um, because that week was the week before this, and it sort of ties into my mental state and how I was at the time. So we got the call on Wednesday, and um, our family just hunkered down in Cedar Rapids until Saturday when we went to Ames to meet my brothers. And then on Monday, our family was headed to Cedar Falls for two weeks um, to be here during those days. Um, So we stayed for two weeks at our in-laws' house out um, in North Cedar. And the following days are so incredibly hard to describe. Um, there's intense pain, sorrow, sadness, but also the joy of telling stories and remembering those three beautiful lives. Um, it was a busy time. Sixteen people at, a, at some points were staying at the house we were at, nine of them kids, so it was very crazy. Um, Kaya was with us a lot as the funeral plans were being figured out, um, so it was just a very busy. And then from Wednesday until Friday, we had the viewing Two very long, intense visitations, the funeral, the meal, and then a weekend with family. So by Sunday night, I was completely exhausted, stressed, sad, and all of that. I felt like I was barely treading water at that point. So on Monday, 
When my husband has the good idea for us to take a walk, just the two of us, I thought it was a really good thing. <laughs> Until it wasn't. Um, <laughs> so, um, Monday, um, we, we leave our kids and just the two of us go for a walk. And, um, you know, I really needed a moment to walk away and just breathe. I needed that so desperately. Um, so that was going really good. We got to the end of the driveway and sort of turned onto the street. And then I learned the real reason we were going for a walk. And it was this. My, well, first my husband turns to me and says, um, I have something to tell you. If you don't like it, just don't say anything for a couple of days. Because <laughs> he knows I'm fairly opinionated. <laughs> and, um, and I might have an opinion. So anyway, um, he turns to me and says, M. I really believe strongly that we should move to Cedar Falls by the end of the summer so the kids can go to school with Kaya. And opposite of what you might think I would do or think at that time, my whole brain yelled, no, no. And when I look back at that moment, what my brain was really yelling was, I am afraid. I am afraid. And instantly, I didn't say anything because I wasn't supposed to, but instantly on the inside, my brain was yelling all of these things at me that I was afraid of. I was afraid of all the normal things that people get afraid of when they move. Loss of like relationships that we built ten, spent 10 years building. Loss of a house and a yard we love. Loss of a neighborhood um, where the kid, there were five um, families um, where our kids just played with the kids. So loss, loss of, of a great church. Loss of a great church, yeah, and a lot of connections there. Um, but bigger than that, my bigger fear was what the added stress of a move would do to me and do to our family at that point. Three days prior to this conversation, we had buried my brother and my niece and my nephew. And I just thought that anything else would just make us sink. So what I'd envisioned as a calm, peaceful walk instead amped up the stress and put Jason and I at odds because he was convinced we should move, and I was in full-on panic fear mode. So during the next two days, we had two more conversations about it. Day number two, we're in some kayaks. Um, Jason's parents live on an old quarry, or, and so there's a lake there, and we were in kayaks, and um, we started talking about it, and he says to me, I have a pros and cons list I wrote. I sent it to your email. <laughs> um, I said, I'm not going to read your pros and cons list, and I've had all as far away from him as I could get. And I still haven't read the pros and cons list. <laughs> um, day number three, we were once again talking about it, um, and he said to me during the conversation, you just don't want to move because you don't like change. That was maybe not the best thing that for him to say at that point. That was not the best way for him to convince me to move. And husbands might take a note of this. Yes. <laughs> you probably don't want to use this method. I know Jason's in the room right now. <laughs> He's our hero in yes. a sense, but this was not the smartest that husband not, move. No, okay. no. So he said, you just don't want to change. And I don't know what I said back to him in that moment, but I know what I was feeling. I was feeling, I am drowning here, and I can't do this right now. And I walked away. So fear, I was all in. I was overwhelmed and terrified of what another huge change would do to me and our family, and fear was ruling the day. So luckily, my husband, I believe, got smarter, <laughs> and he didn't bring it up for the rest of the week. And on Sunday, we were headed home to Cedar Rapids for the first time in two weeks. 
And it was there in Cedar Rapids where God was able to speak through my fear. And it was really in getting home and daily feeling the rock-solid presence of Jesus in my life where I turned a corner. Um, There were times during those days where I felt like I was falling so deep, so dark into despair that I felt like I would never stop falling. But then I realized that there was a solid presence there holding me up. And I believe without a doubt that that was God holding on to me in my darkest time. Um, There should be a slide. In Psalms 46, 1-2, it says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. And it was after experiencing some of these moments where I was at my darkest, but that I felt God, that God showed up to be my strength and my help, that I was able to turn the corner from fear to love, from fear of moving to thinking what it looked like to love the, our family. Um, in 1 John 4, 18, um, there's this phrase that says, perfect love drives out fear. And that happened to me. Perfect love drives out fear. Um, so during that week um, of being home, God gave me this huge amount of love for Ben and his family, for Aaron and Kaya. Just this huge amount of love. And instead of being scared of what would be, I instead started asking the question, what does loving them look like for our family? What does loving them look like for me? And it could have looked a lot of ways, but we decided to love Kaya. What does loving Kaya look like? We decided the best way to love Kaya was to be there. So our kids could play with her after school and in the summer and even fight with her because they've done that too. Um, so that she could have an uncle to play soccer with in the backyard, so that I and others could walk her to school. One of my favorite moments of every day is walking my kids and Kaya to school and then giving them all a hug before they walk across the street for their day. And so those were the thoughts that were going through. How can we love Aaron and Kaya? So within a week of being home, we made the decision to move to Cedar Falls. Um, And nothing was figured out. Not Jason's job, not our housing, not my commitments, not kid commitments. But we believed that we should be in Cedar Falls to support Kaya, Aaron, my parents, and also to do it for ourselves. Um, There should be a picture coming up. These are my three kids and Kaya. And it's just a picture that is a reminder of why we moved. And when I look at this, I am so thankful that we're here. I'm so thankful that God gave me in my darkest hour, the crazy amount of love that overcame my fears and brought us here. And so um, we're here, and things have um, worked out amazingly well for our family. People have asked about it, so I just want to share quick how we're doing. Um, We are here permanently. We bought a house that's four blocks from grandparents, from Aaron and Kaya, and from the school. Um, Jason's work has been amazing. He's still working at Rockwell Collins in Cedar Rapids. He goes there once a week and otherwise works out of our home. And um, I found a fantastic place to be um, serving part-time in children's ministry here. And so um, God has worked through our family and um, has just been there for us. So there are still hard moments in the whole thing, but we move forward in God's strength and love and not in fear. Yeah. So, Emma, as I listen to your story... Um, and this just came to me last night. It didn't, God didn't take the hurt and the pain no. and the grief away. Right. But he was able to take some of the fear of fear. the future away. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. we still hurt every day. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, every all, day. All the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So when I listen to M's story, I hear all five of the principles of our series. So I want to point that out. There are real reasons to fear. M had real reasons to fear. Yeah. You were on a church board. You had friends. You, I mean, there were real reasons to yeah. be afraid of a move. Right. And especially when you're at the bottom. Yeah. And then uh, God does not want us ruled by fear. And when you got away and got back, you could feel that. Right. Can't be ruled by fear. And then God has not given us a spirit of uh, power and love. And I mean, uh, he has given us a spirit of power and love. And I see that in Jason. You know, I've heard the story of Jason seeing the kids sitting together in the sanctuary. Mm. And then he just thought, these guys need to be here. This has to be. This has to be. Yeah. Yep. And... um, in our families, we steward ourselves. I'm so glad that mostly this story is about you. <laughs> you know, it's about mostly. your journey and your yeah. fear and your exploding brain. Right. You know? Yeah. I could have pushed him over in the kayak. <laughs> and that would have been about you, too. <laughs> and, um, and then there's power and courage in community. Yeah. I remember sitting with you and Jason and saying this one thing I was saying. Whatever you do, you have to do it together. Yeah. You have to be together. Right. You know. And yeah. 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 So uh, when I was preparing the scripture for this series, there's one phrase that jumped out at me from a verse that the team had chosen, the teaching team. And the verse is 1 John 4.18. We have a slide. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. And that, and that perfect love drives out fear just jumped off the page. And I couldn't get it out of my mind. And now, if you're going to, like, have that happen in your home, and you're going to, like, put it on the refrigerator, and you're going to pray about it, and you're going to journal about it, you can use it devotionally, and you don't have to go any farther than that. You can just go, perfect love drives out fear. But if you're actually going to stand up and teach it as God's word, you've got to say, what does it actually mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's the context? Who loves who and all that? So then that's what I'm going to take you through in just, like, a couple minutes. So if you go back several verses in 1 John 4, here's, where you first, here, here's the first part of the context. Revolutionary kind of love towards us. God has this kind of love towards us. By the way, 1 John 4 is an incredible chapter about love. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. This is how God showed his love for us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. So where does this kind of love come from? Only one place. In youth ministry, we always teach eros love, which is I feel good being with you, I get turned on kind of thing. Uh, There's philios love, it's like we're friends. And then there's this agape love, which is what this is, revolutionary kind of love. A sacrificial love that only comes from God. And so this revolutionary, sacrificial kind of love uh, comes from God. And then the second thing, we're commanded to have this towards others. 1 John 4, 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And how do we love? This same agape kind of love, this sacrificial kind of love. And then we're commanded to have this revolutionary kind of love uh, towards others. And then we have it towards others in God's power. 
Not in ourselves. We can't create it. Absolutely. You couldn't in that kayak no. go, I'm going to love so much that the fear is going to go away. You right. needed to have God yes. come. His spirit. Right. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. So you had the spirit of God in you. Yeah. And when you could give that spirit some space yeah. in Cedar Rapids, you could begin to push back the fear. Yeah, Just like saying. the picture in Haiti. Yeah. You know, the, the third floor is like coming down on us. And it's still creeping down on us. And how do we push back the fear? We give God space yeah. in us. And then we get to 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. How does it work? We first love God, and we give him space. And then he helps us love our family and love others in a powerful way. And this is that perfect, revolutionary kind of love. There's no fear in that kind of love. Emmy, uh, you gave us another picture as we were talking. Uh, You want to talk about that? Another time where there was great fear. Yeah. Um, Well, as I was first heard the series families without fear the first thing that came to my mind was um that hit us this summer i I can't think of anything any parent is more fearful of than losing someone you love and losing them way too early in their lives and so that happened with our family for sure and then you know what comes after that like your biggest fear has been realized and what comes next you know the hardest moment of my life was when jason and i had to sit our kids down and tell them that their uncle and their two cousins, who they were best buddies with, had died in a car accident. We cried, and we sobbed, and we were so sad. Um, My pastor and best friend came over that Wednesday afternoon and prayed with us and sat with us. And the whole time they were there, my oldest son, who was best buddies with Charlie, laid in his bed and sobbed the whole time they were there. My daughter, um, when she came to the family visitation and saw Bailey in the casket, She sobbed and couldn't stop, and we had to take her home. Um, And so it's so painful to watch our kids as they had to deal with such deep sorrow at their young ages. It was so hard. But when their tears were spent and we gathered together as a family for the first time to talk about it, we talked about heaven, and we talked about that we knew for a fact that we would see them in heaven again someday. And that changes everything. Um, Alongside the sorrow and sadness came peace and hope for me and my husband and my kids. And and we were able to have that conversation, I believe, because for the past 10 years, we had been building our family on the rock of Jesus. And that's what I want to say to you today, is how important it is to build your family on the rock of Jesus. And we want to say that it looks different for every family. What we did in our family is not going to be what you did in your family. Um, Building your family on the rock of Jesus looks different, but it's so important. Um, I know I led a mom's group back in Cedar Rapids, and every year I would ask them the question, what does it look like for you this year to do this? Um, Because it changes. And um, one thing that I love to do is look at families that are a little bit farther along the road than I am and say, what are they doing? What will that maybe look like for me? And so um, I wanted to just take a few minutes to say what Jason and I have done for our family, not because what we did should be what you do, but just to get you thinking about what it could look like for your family to build on the rock of Jesus. 
And so for us, the first thing that we decided when the kids were really little is that we thought it was important that they were in church with us. So since they were about four years old, one by one, they started joining us in church. And that was a little crazy at times, but we always believe that that's been key in their faith development. So sometimes they'd be like, often, coloring or playing with their stuffed animals, and we'd think, they're not getting anything out of this. But then, like, the teacher would tell a joke, and, like, all their heads would pop up. And they're like, they are listening, (laughs) you know? And so um, that's been one key for us. Um, and so I see a couple kids in here, so I, I love that. My family's sitting over here today. Yeah, I wonder so, how it's going. So there you go. <laughs> um, um, so that's been great. And the second thing is I know a lot of your kids are off at Sunday school, and I love that too. Um, we also have our kids go to Sunday school, and I tell you what, I've been in the elementary section and the, um, the pre-K um, it's amazing what they do and that your kids just learn to love Jesus over there. So if your kids are there, I think that's great. Um, we've always also done Sunday school with our kids. And one thing we started doing about five years ago is Jason and I started teaching Sunday school together. Um, and that's been great for our family because then we all know like the lesson they're learning. And then we can um, do that at Sunday school. And then at lunch every Sunday, we would sit down and just talk about it like for about five minutes. Um, and so week after week, month after month, year after year, we've had those talks with our kids. And I believe that those talks led up to this summer and being able to talk about heaven with our kids. Um, another thing we've done is mission trips. Um, Jason and I both have had the opportunity to go actually with Orchard Hill. Um, Jason went to Mozambique with Dad, so that's pretty brave of a son-in-law. To go with a father-in-law. Especially this one. <laughs> this one, yeah. Um, and then I got to go to Haiti a couple years ago. And I love that because those were impactful for us individually. But it was so good for our kids to see us go off and do the work of Jesus in the world. And for them to have that vision. And then the last thing I want to say that we did is led um, a small group of young families. You talk about number five that was up there. Um, there's power and courage and community. And man, we had a small group in Cedar Rapids that when this summer hit... They were there for us. They showed up. They came to town for the visitation and the funeral, and they sent us cards and gift cards. And, I mean, I can't say enough about that family of faith um, being there to hold you up. And so um, we would meet on Friday nights. The kids would play downstairs. We would meet in the living room and um, just talk about family and faith and doing life together. And um, that was so good. So we do these things because I think it's important for us as like followers of Jesus to do these, but also because I believe it's so important that our kids see us living out our faith in this world. It's so yeah. important for them to see that. Yeah. And it's not always easy. When the kids were younger, like there were times that Jason and I would look at each other and say, why did we even go to church today? Just because, you know, you're walking out of church, you have three kids that are throwing fits, and it's just overwhelming. So there were times when we would just look and say, why are we doing this? And I wish I could go back to the mom that I was back then and say, I know why you're doing this. I know why. I know why you're teaching Sunday school. I know why you have your young kids in church. I know why you're making your life work to go on mission trips. I know why. Because in 10 years, a storm is going to come on your family that it's going to rock it to its core. And the investment you are making today in the faith of your family will be the only thing that gets you through that summer. So... Um, building a family of faith matters. And it looks different for everybody, but um, it matters, and it matters more than you know. And if there are any college kids or young adults in the room, you know, decide now that when you have a family, 
to base it on Jesus. So um, one Bible verse, 2 Corinthians 4.18, I love this, it's sort of been a life verse. It says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Um, the thing is, you can't always see the faith in your kids grow, like you can see them getting better at piano or soccer or math, but it's the unseen building of faith that will take them into eternity and give them the love and strength and hope that will bring them through the storms in their life. So, if I could say one thing to you, it would be go out today and the love and strength that comes from Jesus, combat fear, and do whatever it takes to build a family based on Jesus. Thanks, Amy. And again, we want to say it's real clear that we're walking through this. Uh, Don't leave here thinking, wow, they have it together. Don't leave here thinking... They're not hurting. Don't leave here thinking there isn't still a crushing amount of pain and grief. Because that wouldn't be true. And we don't want that. We don't want you to come to a church where somehow it's said, uh, because we love Jesus, we don't feel pain. It just is not true. And um, I want to say a word to uh, to grandparents. Um, M's come at it from a young family point of view. And uh, we've noticed grandparents... How many of you drop your grandkids off in children's ministry? We've noticed how many of you on given different Sundays bring your grandkids. And I know how many of you pray for them. And I know how important, having been in youth ministry for years and years and years and sitting in small groups of high school kids, and I would ask the question, where are you and what are you you doing when you feel close to God? And how many high school kids said, it's when I visit my grandparents and I stand with them in church. And I watch my grandpa where he reads his Bible. Mm. So uh, whether you're a young family or a college student or a grandpa and a grandma, it really matters how you help build on the rock. It really matters. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I'm going to pray. Dear God, thank you so much for faith that pushes back fear and for your spirit, Jesus, in us that pushes back fear. And Father, we need to uh, leave here really clear that it's in your power that we can do family and do life and do marriage without fear. And so we pray that that would be true for us today, that we would take a step in that direction. In Jesus' name, amen.